Welcome to the unspoken truths of digital leadership, living the leadership values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John Opoon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values, where our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Today, I have a very special guest with me. He is a experiential public speaking coach, international keynote speaker and corporate trainer, Aaron Lang. Thank you for being here. Uh, good, good to be here. So, Aaron, before we get started, as always, I like to ask my guests is, how did you get into finding your voice in public speaking and get to where you are today as a public speaking coach? I think when when I was very young, I, I realized that voice are important to me. Um, during my life in secondary school, I was victimized by bullies and I try to voice up to people even like the teachers or even like the principal but they don't care uh, back in the days I was kind of um, trying to express my voice but wasn't heard so that that moment on I realized that voices are the only key defense to anyone's freedom of speech and also the rights as well um, from that day on, I start to talk with myself. No, just joking. I, <laughs> I start to really express my uh, voices and also helping others to realize their voice, especially those people who have suffered maybe the same thing as me or uh, people who have been engaging with tough battles that people silence their voice on and I try to help them because I understand how they feel. When you talked about your childhood and you was bullied, was this in Hong Kong or is this... Mm, this was happened in, uh, in in Singapore. Well, I was studying in a secondary school there, uh, and I was like the target for the bullies. And that was a really hectic moment because. What did they bully you about, though? That's the that's one thing I, I, for me, for instance, I was bullied during my childhood in school because I was the only Chinese kid. Mm-hmm. So I was the outcast, and I was subject to racist abuse um and all sorts uh, but i would similar uh, to you as well similar situation mine is uh slightly different mine is like uh when i was in singapore they're all singaporeans and uh, i am from hong kong and they there are lots of different disputes or rather saying uh, singaporeans thinking that they're superior to hong kongers and stuff like that um that is that's actually like kind of an in-frame and that time um, I was picked out because I'm the only person from Hong Kong there and I don't talk with the student classmates because I want to focus on my studies or enjoy my life in some way um, so when they bully me I suffer in silence because I cannot express myself too well yeah, yeah that, I can relate to that because that's how I 
was just suffering in silence and not having a voice. And bef how did you overcome, you know, the bullies and stuff like that? Mm, I think it's actually about mindset. It's about strong will and also uh, believing yourself that you can make a difference. Um, during that time, for the four years, it was pretty hectic. Uh, every single day, um, I try to find time with my friends just to escape from bullies, you know, and just to escape from torture. <laughs> and I also try to spend more time or the uh, alone time on myself, getting home early. But after which, uh, during my sec three, sec four years, I started something called the Camping Club, which is an incentive from the local community, uh, and they were actually building uh, a cabin club. Basically, it's just like a like a cabin we're just doing at school right now. Um, and it's like a getaway for students uh, from all their stress and worries. And to me, it's like it's like a mini home to me because I can get in there, I can find my voice, and then I can shut down any bullies that happens in there who is trespassing or harassing any other people, just like they do to me. So that's like my safe layout or hideout uh, after school. And I, I was like the vice president there. Um, and then I, I started taking a lot of people who suffer in silence, uh, added in some counseling sessions from those experts during that time. Uh, and then that works and help a lot of people. Wow, okay. So that was your first taste of leadership? Yeah, no, 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 not, not the first taste. Uh, before that, I was a community service worker as well, and now leading a team of uh, kids who are younger than me as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just like one or two times during that, that, those years. And I'm also like, um, I'm a very active person who joins societies. Um, or, or rather saying uh, extracurricular activities, as they call it. And during those times, I try to spend most of my time there to to escape from my worries or unhappiness. But then through this worries and unhappiness, I start to find the power in my voice, that trusting your voice and also trusting in communication uh, works so much well if you start believing yourself. So when it comes to building confidence, how did you do that? I start from the very basic scratch. I try to ask a favor, uh, saying that, look, can you help me doing that? Uh, I'm not skilled in leadership during the time. I'm just a hard worker, like a devoted hard worker that creates amazing results. Like no one can beat, no one can top it. If someone is going to be in my challenge, I'm going to beat them at least twice. But then when I become a leader, I start to think from other people's point of views, feelings, and I start to try to learn the power of delegation, um, trying to communicate and lead them, uh, asking from a favor to a win-win situation. So I start to brush up my skills from there. What does the win-win situation look like for you? In anyone, uh, any situation or during mm, back Any situation. I think win-win situation is that... Uh, to me, usually my practice nowadays is that I stem from other people's shoe and ask myself, what do they want? Um, asking is the first thing to me to understand what they want, but I'm not them. So I also have to talk with them to understand what their expectations or, or wants would be. Um, then I try to think about from my perspective on how I can, uh, uh, how much room can I uh, afford to, to make this both a winning situation because I'm looking for a long-term uh, 
partnership, not just a short-term one. If it's a short-term, basically, I don't really need to care. But I believe that any friend or any partners can go for a lifetime. So uh, that's where I start to think about, like, new thing from that perspective. Build that trust first. Build that integrity that whatever you do, you would not break that promises, etc. So that's why my call will conduct in any partnerships I'm doing. Uh, and then communication will be the key, making sure that people will know and finally transparency. Anything that I do, will let them know as well. And what was your taste in leadership experience? What was that like when you first encountered it? Like, did you know when was the leadership, like you actually specified this feels like leadership or responsibilities? When was the first time I feel like the uh, leadership, right? Uh, is when they appoint me, like uh, during back in school, I was in scouts and they appoint me as uh, like a vice head, which is like only a petrol second. Um, and I start to feel the power of leadership um, uh, as in like how I, whatever I do is being watched by every single one that's behind your back and you have to set up a role model. So to me, um, in terms of my own leadership, way that I find would be servant leadership because I lead by example, I stick actions. I just, I don't just do the talk, I do act. Um, and that's, that's where I start to feel or when I start to see people, uh, although they, they talk behind people's back, but the people start to talk and say, look, look at Aaron and he's, he is so hardworking. He's doing a lot of things for us. I think I want, I want to be like him. Uh, I want to uh, learn like him in some way. Um, there are some juniors who will be who were talking like that, and I was like, when I heard that, uh, although I was kind of disgusted by lots of people, as I mentioned during secondary school, I've been bullied. Um, but there are some good people that recognize myself. And for those that gave you that recognition, what was it like for you when you acknowledged, "Oh, I'm making a difference positively to someone else's life"? I think it's more like. Um, satisfaction well not just satisfaction is more than that is it's like uh i know i'm born for this um seeing people growing seeing people uh learning from the best uh, not not saying that i'm the best i'm just saying learning from the best practices or actions um and they feel inspired is something that i feel very happy and proud of and i think that actually can keep on inspiring and that actually is to the current job that i'm doing right now when it comes to inspiration, what, who, who and what inspires you? Who? Cool. Um, I think the, the person that inspired me the most is my grandpa. Um, during, during my younger days, uh, my grandpa is always the one with the biggest ang bao. Um, you know, red packets in Chinese culture. They give, he always gave me the biggest pack, uh, red packet. And they're always there, just like you right now filled with positivity and he always give me the sunshine when it's rainy days for me. Uh, not just that, uh, he always give me words of wisdom and show me how someone can uh, can support you and you can feel it. Uh, I don't know how to say that in one, one sentence. It's more like letting, know, letting you know how important that support is important to one's growth. And he was there for me. He, he was 
my first breach to to my family um, because during back in the days me and my family relationships are not that good and my grandpa actually helped me to loosen my defensive spells or egos that I may have during as a child and helps me to bridge the differences and connections through different parties. Um, and I have to thank him for that. He inspires me so much by, by walking the talk. So that's maybe the reason why I'm actually doing what I'm doing. right now. That sounds amazing. I never really had much of a connection with my grand dads or grandpas, um, unfortunately, but it's interesting to find, um, that you have a great connection with your grandpa, that you get that inspiration and the behaviors that he taught you is now you're just now living what he's, you know, what he's talked to you about. What was your choices when you made to lead others? What do you mean by what, what was my choices? Why do you lead? Why do you choose to lead? Why do I choose to lead? That's a good question. I think the point of why we choose to lead is because we are living in a community full of people. And, and no one can deny the fact that together we make a difference. And with people uh, with great directions, uh, unity is strength, and you can overcome any impossible situations through the power of imagination that everyone has. With the right type of leadership, you can bring a lot of amazing wonders just like what the society is doing right now. We have TED Talks that is actually inspiring people around the world. We have those like big companies like Google or other, other big companies that's actually setting an example or revolutionize the whole way that we are working right now. Without the right leadership and the right minds, um, things would be quite impossible. It's because we can imagine and we can lead that imagination uh, we can push forth beyond our dimensions. Okay. And I, the reason I ask that is because when I see leadership, I just don't see it as a title when most, most people see it as a title. Mm-hmm. But I see it as a lead, as a behavior. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why I lead or choose to lead in communities or any organization that I work for or what I work at is that because I know that I never really had a role model in my life. Mm. So like you mentioned, you had a role model in your life, like a grandfather. I never really had a role model in my life. So therefore, I had to become the role model that I wish to see in the community. So I would take the action. I would become the example that I wish to see in society. So positivity, like I'm known for that. Kindness, integrity, those are kinds of things that I live by, my values, how I behave, how I show up, how I communicate. And because I never had someone like that, I wish to be that person for someone else. It kind of resonates to me as well. Um, because like my grandpa passed away when I was sack four, uh, which I was doing the GCO levels. Uh, I lost a great role model and a sense of direction um, because someone's leaving is like the whole world that you thought you knew actually collapsed and during that time uh i was feeling really really bad because something else even happened during that time not just my grandpa 
uh, that leaves me even more depressed. Uh, but then I lost my direction for quite some time until I start to pick myself up again. So also inspired to become like the role model that is for people and inspired to be a, a leader so that I can create a difference or let people know what that difference is. Uh, it's just showing the world that things could be better. Uh, things doesn't need to be like this. And we can think from different perspectives or angles. And you mentioned overcoming depression. And I, I can relate because I've also suffered something similar during when I was lost and stuck in my life. Mm. How did you overcome that that dark tunnel moment? Oh, I think if we are going to talk about that, I can talk about three little stories that's related to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first time when I was suffering from, I wouldn't say that that kind of is depression, but uh, loss of love once. Mm. Aster, uh, and the loved ones actually differentiate from different different magnitudes. Uh, I lost someone that is really really important, even more important than my grandpa <laughs> at that time. So think about the difference. I was praising my grandpa just now a few minutes ago, and then someone is even more influential or more important than him. Uh, at that time, everything turns dark and. Most of my time I was spending, I spent in the times of graveyards reflecting what could have done better. Mm -hmm. um, because I couldn't revive the dead. No one can. Time doesn't allow that to. Um, unless some, some people in the future actually can tell me that this can be reversed and it's a different story. Uh, during that time, I was in my zone and I didn't see any lights. I start talking to the tome. I start talking to people as if they were there. I mean, those people have passed away. And suddenly just one day, just it comes to me and say, look, they did not want you to see you depressed. You still have many, many years down the road. People still leaves for reasons. Let that reason count. Uh, what do you mean by that is that Find a value that that makes you exist, your existence worthwhile. That's purpose in life. And not just that, make full use of the time that if you can help yourself, there are many, many people who might be in your state that needs your help. Not being a savior or something, but there are many people who would be worse than you. We don't exaggerate the, the the pain or sufferings that one person has. But during that time, it just woke me up and said, look, I spent enough years repenting. I spent enough years sweeping the tone. I should get out. I should get back to my normal life, live my dreams, do something for the people that I care about. Because every minute that I lose, I lose my time with my loved ones. And ironically, my loved ones is a uh, very naughty sister at my home who always scolds me. Uh, my mom, who, who, although I openly might say that I do not really like her, but deep in my heart, I, I really deeply love her. And my dad, who I try not to follow as a role model, but deep down in my heart is actually is one of my role models in life. So kind of lots of things that contradicts with each other. But 
as a guy for me, uh, I don't admit it, uh, but thanks to the live conversation, it allows me to face my own inner self. Huh? So that's one time, but which is more like suddenly it just struck on me and said, look, time doesn't wait anyone. So that's the first mini one. Mm. Now, second one is when I lost um, someone that I wanted to marry. Uh, and I also suffered depression. That time I actually left home. I was sleeping on the streets, um, even performing on the streets too, just for survival. And because I didn't bring my wallet out, I, I simply just leave all the things that can be traceable on me so that people can't find me. Uh, and literally speaking, that time, I feel hopeless. I, I was spending most of my time in, uh, in a place in Hong Kong called Lan Kwai Fong, <laughs> which is a bar place. And I look like someone who is drunk um, and feeling useless. And I just sleep on the streets, different places. And But then something amazing happened during that time. It's until where I start to meet, uh, which is a common situation when I come to Hong Kong, you actually see it. There's a granny that is actually picking up paper, you know, those kind of uh, paper box and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and... And when I see her, I haven't bathed for days. <laughs> um, the only place that you can bath freely is actually in gyms. <laughs> so I, I might go to gyms sometime during that time. But I saw a granny and then she didn't judge me. I was actually planning to help her. And as we go along, I start to understand her story. She started to understand mine. And that's where I start to realize that I've been putting all the thoughts in the wrong basket. Um, I could have done better. I should just, it's back to like reminding me of what the first time I had experienced with my loss of my grandpa and someone even more important than that. And during that time, it's just like, uh, look, stop wasting time on this. You have a great life to move on. It's just like the memory just struck me and said, look, we, you are bigger than this. You are better than this. And after I helped, I find the granny, uh, I even volunteered to help her occasionally during the time, those times. Um, but I start to pick myself up. I start to use my uh, wandering streets time into understanding different lifestyle of homeless people. Hmm. People sleeping on the streets. I start to actually really talk with every single beggar that I see or anyone that's homeless or anyone that is, I meet on the road and say hi. Um, that's like nearly something that it reminds me when I was four to five, I would be doing, uh, I did something like that when I was four or five, but <laughs> that's another story to talk about. But for this moment, I started to talk about it and, and it surprises me about the amazing stories behind their backs, like every single one. And it just filled me with loads of wisdom that I can see clear, clearly on myself, what I'm lacking. And I was lacking a direction. So they gave me a new sense of direction to forward to. So that's the second one. Now, the third one is happening right now. <laughs> For the past few months, it was really horrible. Um, and I was actually at my week's end. Um, I thought things couldn't be worse, but it actually got worse. Uh, nearly had some suicidal plans too. But 
then I realize, look, if I passed away just like that, what's the point? People might remember you for a moment, but will not remember you for a lifetime. Oh, someone just passed away. Or the, another situation that comes to my mind during that time is that reminds me of the monks in the monastery. They're able to put a lot of things down. And there's nothing that you cannot put down once you pass away. So I was thinking from that mentality, look, yeah, I might have loved something really, really much, but is it worth it? There's so many other things I can still do. Back to the first two stories and kind of wake me up in some way. Yeah, those, those are three mini ones. Um, uh, the third one mainly related to quarantine for this lovely organization and also my work, uh, potential work or business. Uh, and then stuck in that place for a couple of months and still haven't returned back home <laughs> because of COVID-19 and uh, potential issues that may come after that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing those stories, by the way. I can really relate to the whole suicide, suicidal thoughts and stuff because when I was physically, mentally burnt out during my corporate career, like I was chasing that corporate ladder, mm. it got to the point where I was like, I'm working 14, 16 hour days for you know, five days a week or whatever. But it felt like I wasn't getting anywhere in my life. So like you just mentioned, it was a loss of direction. That loss of direction made me question, what is the purpose of life? And mm. is this going to be something I'm going to be doing? for the next 12, 20 years, you know, 10, 20 years of, of corporate organization. When you talk to people in corporate, right, in, in, career, in careers and stuff, they would go, oh, yeah, I've been in the organization for about 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Like, when you're chasing that corporate ladder and that climb, you're like, oh, these people are amazing. Like, I want to be like them. But you never question yourself, why do I want to be like them? Yeah. And the worst thing that happens during this time, just saying, is that when you're in uh, in China, uh, you realize the amazing part of communication that is being stuck there that you cannot access Facebook or even YouTube or anything that you usually used to. And that, like my mom doesn't use WeChat, for example, and my sister doesn't use either. Uh, and when you don't have people who are there supporting or even like really talking to you, make you feel a bit relieved, there is only just a window and there is just a balcony. And it's so easy to do that. During the time, I I think that it just reminded me of that quote. Um, there are many easy ways out, but the hard ways train someone out. Train someone up, yeah. Not out, train someone up. So I just gave up the idea and then start to think about something different and try to focus on the things that I can really bring value to the world. Yeah, which is what why I'm, I'm grateful for you to come onto the show to talk about, you know, what is it that you're going to now create and help people with? Because I've known you for just over a year or so now. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of close stories and values that we share commonly together. And I see you as someone that inspired in me in, in terms of my speaking and my journey and what I've you know come to do and the way I lead, the way I communicate and 
the the value of work that I put in. You've inspired me a lot, indirectly, right? From just your past achievements. And I've been following you for a while. And this is when I get to openly share and go, thank you for all the work that you do because it has made a big difference in my life. Like the way I show up, the way I do things, the way I choose to lead has been inspired by a lot by your journey, but what you've achieved, but what you've done so far. So I am very grateful you didn't choose the easy way out as such. Um, and that you are going to you know, keep creating more leaders or more speakers and champions because you know i've also understand that your mentees have mm -hmm. become great champions in finding their voice and mm -hmm. be acknowledged for finding their voice i think that's a beautiful story if you want to share how you managed to get where were they before they started working with you mm, you mean my mentees right uh, yeah my mentees come from all different backgrounds um uh, and my mentees believed in me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be their mentor. Now, those inspirational stories is actually like something that I feel it makes my meaning go well. I mean, my my purpose in life and my my service, and also inspiration because I believe that they can do a lot more. Uh, every single mentee that I have, I believe in them. Otherwise, I will not take them as mentee. Although there's a, another concept about myself is that I believe that anyone can do well. So during during those times, like that's one mentee who was a student. Um, she's a great speaker, um, but sometimes she gets unnoticed. So I was like, wow, this is an amazing speaker. I need to groom her into an amazing speaker that really inspires those of people. So I was coaching her during the contest and eventually uh, during all this harsh practices that we do through or go through, uh, she overcome it uh, with her skill sets and she become like a, a district champion. Um, that's one. Um, the other one is like a global champion as well in public speaking, but not, not though, uh, it's through virtual. So for for her, she she was also very inspirational, and that time I thought I couldn't give anything to her, like um like advice or stuff. But I was thinking that everyone can learn from something, and I started to think from different angles, and I noticed oh I just realized that there are a couple of things that she might need some refine. Uh, she might need some improvement on. Might, the word is might. So I gave my honest advice. Um, and then that actually helped her so much more. And she becomes, uh, she won the champions, championships and also uh, become an inspirational speaker nowadays. So those two and then many others that I have Groom uh, won lots of like a division uh, contest or even like a school contest or even get into Cambridge, Oxford. And seeing their achievements is just like I'm making a difference in the world by building the pillars that really supports them. It's not just like uh, just anyone. It's actually the, the foundation of a progressive society because the one that you helped can help lots of different people that she trained or even mentored in the future years. But I want to give her a sense of direction and say, look, 
I'm helping you because I believed in you. And I know that you can help many, many other people that I may not be able to reach. The more the merrier. So every single mentee of mine is someone that is inspirational to the community and make big differences. And that actually resonates to my original uh, vision in my life is to make the world a better place, to to cultivate, I wouldn't say cultivate, but to inspire many, many speakers to let their voice out, let people understand what they can bring to the world. And that actually resonates also to my business right now. Yeah, I I resonate with that one because making the world a better place than what you found is something that I always live by. So, you know, when you see something that's not right, you try and fix it, you try and make it better. I think that kind of ethic and value in, in everything that you do shows and comes across. The thing is just like looking at the results right now, look, look at... Uh, the, the global organization like TAT and TATX. Many years ago, TAT and TATX isn't that popular as it's right now. But it's because they add the power of value and the strict criteria of saying something that has never been spoken um, to create very unique ideas and respecting many different, many, many angles that have been overlooked. To me, I'm like the founder of jewelries, jewels, of those un undiscovered uh, gems. And that's why I work in uh, and I also support a lot of different tags or events as a speaking coach so that I can let their stories and voice out to the world. When it came to finding your voice, how did you find yours? How did I find mine? Uh, I have really thanked one organization that my dad pushed me into. <laughs> um, when I was... 16, I think 16, 17, yeah, around there. Uh, that's where my 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 breaking point is where I was saying that's my down point. Uh, my dad pushed me to an organization very famous for communication. Um, and it comes with a very nice book of seven habits, right? That's, that's seven habits of, uh, I forgot the book name, oh gosh. <laughs> the, 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 how to make friends, how to make friends and uh, okay, I should say the uh, the name of it out. Uh, it's Dale Carnegie. So he he pushed me into it, and that time I was joining a youth program about speaking, and then I never realized that my voice can be that important, other than the school days. And during that time, uh, I start to take the stage, and I realized that stage has a meaning and has a unique power in it. Um. And once I start to realize that my voice is heard, that brings change. And I'm trying, I've been trying to refine the ways whereby people define stage and people can find that vision and satisfaction on that stage that it serves as a purpose of value instead of a spotlight. So I've been refining the process of people getting up onto the stage to give the stage a meaning. The cold ground that has nothing, no one before you, start to feel your warmth when you step onto the stage and it gives power to the people who listen. It's just like a powerhouse in some way. And what was that feeling like when you first went on stage? 
uh, I feel terrible to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it, it's really, really bad during that time. Um, uh, that time uh, when I was on the stage, it's like I couldn't even see people in the eyes. Uh, I, I, I couldn't even bad to look at them because it's just like the public speaking fear that uh, we might have um, because you are not confident yourself or you are thinking that you're lacking, like making people feel disappointed with the expectations high. Uh, and I couldn't even look at them in the eyes. My voice was like, hi, my name is Aaron. I'm just a person like that kind of soft, <laughs> barely audible. And it was embarrassing. And I overcome that in some way by saying that, look, I'm better than those people who doesn't speak. And then that brings a bit of discrimination. What happens if those people are, are mute? I'm not discriminating them, but I'm saying that they have other ways to replace that ability. For me, if I'm born with that voice, cherish that voice. Mm-hmm. So oh, again, by the, choosing the way the book's name uh, is called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'm so sorry, Dal Kali. I'm so sorry. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know what you was like, was yeah, I should know this book. Yeah. It's, it's a great book. I do recommend it as well. I've got it on my shelf too. <laughs> True. So for your outside leadership path in terms of what you've gone through what's your most yeah how do you deal with conflicts that's probably one of the best ways wow it could be uh, your internal conflicts it could be the ones you know your inner demons when you're fighting fear when you're fighting your voices your inner voices <laughs> i think i divide in i divide the battle zones into three different categories the power three uh, the internal mm -hmm the external and life itself. Uh, that's the reason why I put life at the end. So internal conflicts usually is just like, you know, where is it? It starts from a very simple story of where do I want to go? Should I eat sushi or should I eat ramen? Or should mm -hmm. I eat Thai food or Vietnam food? Uh, stuff from the very basics. Uh, everyone could have this kind of situation in once in their lifetime. And this inner voice will actually try to tack you to left and right. And then basically you, you might listen to your voices. You might listen to your emotions. Uh, you may actually just follow the gut feeling. But when you have inner voice that's actually telling you to do something that's really, really wrong, it's like keep the devil in your in your keep your devil to your brain. Um, during that time, I, I start to analyze it. I think the most important thing when you are having those inner voices because of emotional instability that you, you let your emotions out of control. Hmm. And one of the ways to actually make the emotions back in control is to rationalize things by looking and saying, look, I need to change myself from being Aaron to an outsider. It's just like applying something called NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming, where we start from thinking from a different perspective and say, look, what happens if you're an outsider? Do you still feel as much uh, passion to do something like that, for example? and start to view things from a different angle, change different angles, change different view sets. Oh, and then after which, write down all those rationalized ideas instead of just being emotions. And you realize who is the winner. Oh, 
actually technically everyone is a winner but because they spend some time talking to you right <laughs> but the point is that once you rationalize it you're able to analyze the benefits and those potential pitfalls that in every decision that you do and life doesn't have take two you cannot reverse what has happened mm-hmm. you only can move forward in life so this like what happens when i have lots of internal battles like saying that during the time when i was bullied i actually have that thought that says should i <laughs> should i um I actually know what I want to say that word, but I'm trying to think about a different word that makes it nicer. Should I retaliate mm. uh, or should I keep in silence? And I realized I, I'm not a fighter type. I, I'm not the one that's like holding dangerous materials and then trying to retaliate in some way because I know I can. <laughs> but then I, my in, my own call of conduct say, look, even if I'm suffering, I'm, there's no right. That I should be like them, mm-hmm. not in the same league as them. That is what makes me different. I'm not saying that different is good, but saying that at least I'm leaving my conscience. So uh, there's no time. There's no point of really caring about those bullies, but it just let me think about how I can do things right or doing the right things. Now uh, that's for internal. For external, uh, because of all this past experience, not just for bullies, there are many, 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 many different stories that makes me who I am today right now. The external battles, uh, I divide it into two little ways. One is that I stand from a very aggressive ground because of my legal background, um, because I understand what is it, uh, what's missing from having a voice. And when there's something that I really care about so much, I will stand from the most aggressive way that you could possibly imagine. Making people may feel unhappy, unpleasant, but what I was doing is just a sense of passion that's loving that particular maybe organization or the things that I'm doing. But it's that aggressive, it's a strong sense of justice that's standing there. So this is one way, but it's not seen the best way because it's aggressive. It doesn't really care too much about people's feelings. It only cares about what's right and what's wrong drawing a very clear line now the other way is uh the people that i care now the people that i care i might appear to be aggressive too but i do it with a very soft sense of approach because i i tend to be more sentimental to the people that i really really care um caring as in that quite protective but the point is that not as aggressive as the first one the second one is more like having a nice chat communicate expressing how I feel and respecting whether they they trust my uh, trust my reasonings or or not I still respect that choice so my tone totally changed when I'm talking to this group of people um, that may not agree with my ideas but I do care about them so yeah the, so that this two ways one is the more soft-centered approach one is more like the aggressive approach or maybe there's actually a tiny third way which is I just do actions I mm-hmm. show them what I what it means by that, so that they can have a clear vision to believe what's right or wrong. And so that's more for external. And finally, life is more like things that we do will actually reflect our way of mindset. Uh, for example, I'll take the simplest example that I could think in my mind that 
could be a nice topic for everyone to think about right now who's watching this video is that when you see a beggar on the street and you know that the beggar is faking it and there's a couple there's a cup in front of it asking for donations uh, for himself for a meal would you donate it or not knowing full well that the person is slim is, is perf perfectly fine as a human now what's hurting in this situation is that it's about oh i know that person is fine i should find someone that is really really ill and i should just give the money to or because of your act of kindness or because of your personality you give that money which is the two common ways that people think or the third one which i start to think about it is that when i look at it he's hurt even more not from trying to pretend that he is not well is he's trying to avoid the battles that he's fighting so i actually start from thinking from his psychological mindset Oh, it's because he needs some motivation. He might be lost. He's just trying to find ways of survival. For me, what I did for to this group of people, a true story, is that I actually go up and actually say, I actually give him uh, uh, the dollar and I give him a name card, which is me. Name card and say, look, if you need a direction, give me a ring. I see something in you. Oh, I should use this phrase from Danajaya. <laughs> just joking. Um, uh, I actually told, simply just saying that um, if you really need help, feel free to approach me. I give the open doors to them. And I know I actually literally feel that he's avoiding the battles, maybe for many, many different reasons that I do not know. But I'm here to listen to the story. And I'm here to help. Because that's within my abilities to do so. So every single beggar that I did, actually for the past three years, actually, uh, not recently. Recently, I was pretty down, so I didn't do it. So for the past three years, actually, I gave him a name card. And, and I said, look, uh, if you have anything, just let me know. And surprising, surprisingly, there are a few people called asking me for a drink. I simply just pay because it's within my abilities. I know he might be using me, but the thing is that throwing away about the point of using, I think from the perspective of he doesn't really already know what sort of ways to help himself. So that's bringing back to my ability, which is coaching skills or guidance mm. or even inspiration. So within the, within the time of uh, like a coffee time, uh, I'm able to inspire some people back on the tracks. Some people become security guards or even like uh, doing other jobs, certainly finding jobs. They start to believe in their abilities to live a proper life. And I think that's pretty amazing for my journey in some way uh, that when I, every single gesture that I did actually makes a difference. Whether it's good or bad, it does. Don't underestimate everyone's abilities in your own skills or actions. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. That's that's just really uh, blown away my mind in terms of how you help the this um, how you help the beggars and homeless people in direction. Because the refugees. Uh, I do help in refugees in, when I was in UK. 
that town was in Cardiff, um, and there were homeless shelters and stuff like that. Which you're already right now in UK, right? Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm in an organization that helps people with homelessness, and that was the only, at least my thought of direction of how could I give back to the community, the homelessness especially, mm. was joining a becoming a board of directors or trustee in an organization that supports these people. So mm. I'm able to at least help with the strategic thinking or strategic planning in an organization to ensure that these people are looked after, supported, and have a place to stay. Because without these organizations, they wouldn't have any extra support and help. Mm. So that's my awesome. way of giving back to that community. Because I see... No, I see them. I, you know, when they're sitting around on the streets and stuff like that, but not necessarily giving them money. But sometimes it's buying them a drink, like a hot drink, if it's cold, or if it's buying a meal, right? Just give them some food. And I, I'm, I don't give them money directly, but I give the food and drinks if I see them. If I pass by and I, you know, I'll pass by a coffee shop or something. I will buy something and I walk back and give it to them. Because that's the only way I feel I could indirectly help them properly. But giving them a card on a, with a name and say, give me a call if you need help with direction, just probably inspired me to do something different as well. You can think about a different step. It's just like, for example, I give you a name card. Okay. There are, there are things that you have to do to give me a card, right? First of all, from a better perspective, they may have not too much money, right? It means that every single coin or the moment that they find someone or some shops to get the call is an action to change himself. The action, the choice is up to them. I can choose not to take any calls, right? <laughs> but the point is that when I receive these calls, usually these are the priority calls for me. Amazingly, why, how I put my priorities in my life on. And then... When they call me, because I know that they may not be able to call me for a long time because due to the limited service or abilities, um, then I say that, look, uh, uh, tell me a time, place, uh, and I try to be there. Um, give me like one day or two to prepare myself. Like when I say one to two days, because mine is not the emergency help. It's not that I, when someone's in Guangzhou, I have to fly all the way to Guangzhou, or someone in some somewhere like in Taiwan, I have to fly all the way there. I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying in uh, in in those perspective, it takes time. When I say prepare, it's actually for me to try to um, recall who that person is because when they call, too many names, and not just that is is preparing what sort of things based on the conversation I hear from him. Because the worst choices that ones make actually represents his past. Oh, interesting how public speaking works on. When you hear people using choice of words, you kind of see what his mentality and the state is. And adjusting to that, and I think about one, one kind of like direction that I can help that person, but I need to see that person. As long as I can see that person, I can even help. I can help more. Uh, just remind me of the time when I was back in Cardiff, not just the homeless, it's also the asylum seekers who travel all the way all the way from their hometown just to get asylum uh, refuge, a refugee in, uh, in, in in UK for a safe uh, same homeland. Oh, no, safe homeland. Although many people are rejected because of all different reasons. Uh, I work 
uh, with the different departments before. So I know, <laughs> but the point is that there are definitely genuine ones who are seeking uh, for safety and protection. Mm-hmm. And, and actually those kind of things inspired me in the action of giving the name card because it shows commitment. And if she shows commitment, it means that they're willing to, um, to help themselves. It's just that they couldn't find a way to help themselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. And just for what was right and wrong? How did you come across with justice? You know, how did you see justice in a way? Because I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this because when I grew up in UK, yeah, I grew up with watching Chinese dramas and stuff like that. But a lot of the dramas and TV shows that you know from TVV and stuff, <laughs> the the television company, well, a lot of them was police stories. Mm. So it's always about like justice, you know, the good people get the good things, or what's good and what's bad. Was a lot of it was learning from police stories. So I've always had this fascination of becoming a, a, a police officer or an inspector in Hong Kong. Mm. Now, this was something that I had when I was a child. And one of my granddad's sister's husband is also a police officer trainer. Mm. And he's been in the police force for like many years. Um, and when I found that, I was so excited when I went back to meet him and see the police school and see the academy and the people he trains. I was just like, wow, you know, this is amazing. Like, that's what taught me justice and what's good and bad. What was it for you? <sighs> that's a, when you actually say about this word, it actually makes me sign. Uh, when I thought about this word, uh, it's, it's a word that I believe very strongly and it's related to my values is integrity. Mm-hmm. Similar to you, you say that you want to be a policeman. For me, uh, when I was in the secondary school days, after I lost two of my loved ones at the same year, I wanted to become a judge. Hmm. When I was young, I only wanted to become a writer. But then I thought, why become a writer when you are already a writer in your life? Because you you take actions and you become your main character, although the ending is still decided by you. Choose your choice, choose left or right. Your choice, okay, that way. But for me, I actually wanted to become a judge because judge uh, set the example. And sometimes, if you're in the very very top court, like Supreme Courts or like um, um, those. In different countries, there are different courts at the highest hierarchy. Uh, every word that you say and every judgment that you say is read by lots of lots of lots of law students, lots of lots of lots of lawyers, <laughs> solicitor, barrister, like attorneys, and and then they start to understand the rationale behind it, and this rationale slowly sink into society and change the world of how they think things. That's why I wanted to become a judge. Although the second reason is to become the ironclad of justice. No, just kidding. I, I couldn't be that ironclad. Look at my look at me. I, I'm the cheerful. No, I wouldn't say cheerful. I, I'm saying I, I'm not that. I'm not that uh, 
bashful or even like uh, uh, <laughs> dictator type, you know. <laughs> but yeah, when I was during these times, I I thought that justice is only just black and white. I have to be real frank. That's only black, and that is only white. During my time, when I was studying law, and not just that, I never thought about gray areas, because the gray areas are just for emotional people. I'm not saying people are emotional. I'm just saying for people who are stuck with the. The elements of emotions and sentiments. It's good to have them, but it's bad if it's used in the wrong place. During that time when I was still young and naive, only black and white, no gray areas. Emotions are for the weak. Um, this was different when I was secondary school days, where I say emotions are the king. <laughs> I believe in my emotions that actually tap into my voice. But when I'm studying law, and when I see a lot of different judgments, I think emotions are just uh, a drag. But now I have a totally different thing, view of justice. I think that justice are meant well at the right time. When I say at the right time, you could be right for for all we care. You can be right in everything that you do. You can be right in believing yourself even so. But if you put it in the wrong time, no one cares about right or wrong. It's just like in wars, people believe that fighting wars uh, are the safe way to peace. Uh, so they, they may discriminate, so they may actually hate. And some people actually just think about, uh, I'm so sorry, I need to switch off that. Tian Mao Jingling, Guanbi, Guanbi. I have the AI, <laughs> don't worry. Um, uh, about the wars thing is that sometimes wars lead to peace and they believe in it. Um, they may believe that it's right. Sometimes they think that wars leads to more wars and they still believe in that. Is it right or wrong in both cases? Both may be right, both may be wrong. And it's about the time. So when I learn about justice that when I know that I'm right and they know that you're right, and they are there to shut you down. It's the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, they're not ready to listen to anything that's right. Yeah, I think that's like to me like justice in the most appropriate sense. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's only the only the top that really follows. Then the the people other than that follows too. Amazing! Thank you so much. So. What's next for you in terms of your journey next? For what are you me, working I on now? What are you going to create? Um, what are your next plans? For me, I'm actually building my brand. Um, uh, it's called the Aaron Public Speaking Studio, mainly really tapping onto the voice, connecting to your voice, 
um, letting your voice be heard by the world, whether it's correct mindset or not, whether it's just the things that you think is not that important, really realize that your voice is as important as anyone. So I started this Aaron Public Speaking Studio for quite some time. And throughout my, for the past 14 years, I have been doing lots of different keynote speech or, or even like speeches around the world over like at least 5,000 to 6,000 right now by now. Um, uh, I always think that everyone has the potential to command their voice to create opportunities for the lifetime. It's you who decide your fate, not anyone else. And your voice is as, as important as yourself. So that's why I'm, I'm still building on. Um, so I always also be creating classes to tap on the public speaking skills as well. Um, training different companies like Fortune 500 companies. Um, and uh, and also train something called the cross-cultural communication, which I'm still brushing myself, my skills up. Uh, because different cultures have different needs. Sometimes when you have um, communication issues with a different culture, doesn't mean that you are bad. It means that you might be not putting it in the right direction or right choice of words because the choice of word matters and impact uh, people's perspective in some way. So life is like a journey to keep on learning. Uh, we all make mistakes and we are here to correct and improve on it. Um, that's why to me, creating this uh, company and also creating this um, platform for myself and many, many people, it's a place whereby you recognize your mistakes and get out of it, get up with it. Every time you get up, you become stronger. Um, that's my direction. I hope uh, my vision is very simple. Within the next 20 to 30 years, I hope that my Aaron Public Speaking Studio can be created into universities, that everywhere around the world can have a university like that, whereby it trains and focuses on public speaking skills and communication skills. Moreover, that, that can be leadership skills too, because leadership involves communication in some way. And and also creating a culture or rather saying a norm, saying that anyone can be as great if they believe in it. Uh, I that, that university doesn't have any entry requirements. It just needs to have your belief that your voice can make a difference. That is the minimum threshold. It's because of all these degrees and qualifications around the world that actually limits a lot of different potentials. So I want to create something that is more like something that's recognized. The passing criteria could be very hard, but at least the entry requirements can be very, very low. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much, Aaron, for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And if there were two people who wanted to connect with you, where can they find you? Oh, they can find me in LinkedIn. Uh, and also, like, uh, if they need some one-to-one -one coaching, uh, usually I coach CEOs and also general managers. Sometimes students, I touch on four different views. Uh, one is mainly about uh, kids and youth because I believe that children are our next generation to building the future pillars in the society. So I groom and nurture and also train them to tap into their own voice. Then the adults whereby they want to improve their communication and getting up the ladder with better confidence and also expressive skills. Then we have CEOs who wants to command and also lead and inspire uh, people. And that's something that I'm good at. And finally, the ones who join contests, feel free to contact me. I'm here and have lots of different mentees that achieve great results that can be your living examples as your seniors to guide you to. 
to connect with me through LinkedIn uh, or um, for me currently, I'm in China. You can connect with me with WeChat. When I'm back in Hong Kong, connect with me with WhatsApp. Yeah. Awesome. Again, thank you very much for your time, Aaron. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership. I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast. And if you have found it useful, please feel free to send it and share it to your network as I will be very appreciative that it will spread and help out more people in the world. If you would like more information or the show notes and resources that I will be providing you, then please go to www.johnopoon.com, go to the blog and find the podcast section. Step up, show up and stay up. Take care.